Prepare to enter the Elf Tree. Are you receiving my transmission, or am I speaking to myself? Good. Welcome to the undisclosed location of nowhere. We broadcast for you. Welcome to Earthship Radio. This is an Elf Tree Podcast Network special report. 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 The meaning of life, featuring special guest Zia Hassan. So buckle up as we take a trip to another place. Tonight we'll be diving into a video that inspired the hell out of me called Nine Year Old Discusses the Universe. When I came across this video, I had no idea what I was about to hear. The music of added by Sonic Area was playing in the background while I was watching the video. When I come across this type of material, it not only gives me hope for the future, it gives me hope there's something out there beyond our comprehension that grants access to truth beyond science. science, 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 science. Um, so, basically, the human, humans are, are on one space, one environment that's inside another environment. They are, we are on Earth, and the Earth is just one planet in the galaxy. You could compare that to an ant on on the patio in this backyard. Let's see. Can we do we can we see any ants? Can you show me what you mean exactly? Um, yeah, probably I'm some at the moment, but this is an ant horn. Anyway, so the ant doesn't know that there's more than the patio here. He just thinks there's an ant. Oh, he just thinks that he just keeps walking. He doesn't know he there's he's just part of a huge of lots of worlds. And the human race is sort of like that. They after they discovered what's up there, they know they're only a little part of the huge galaxy. So do you think we're alone in the universe? Are we the only intelligent life? No. different kinds of life forms, cells and organisms. Some may not be visible, some may not have been discovered, and some may be on places we can't go. And they all might have the same perspective as we do on this, that there might be others, and that maybe they can find them someday, but at the moment, they don't know. They're in they're part of a big world and well what do you think about the idea of alternate universes i think it's realistic at the same time as it is fantasy that's exactly what scientists think they're they're not sure they, they have the math to prove it but they don't they haven't observed it so they don't know yeah it's just very complicated mm. because you have no proof that there's any that there's anything out there the only proof is yourself right. and where you are in the universe and that and you can only make theories. You can never know the truth unless you unless science gets a lot more complex and they find ways to go on to Mars or something. Do you think we'll make it to Mars in our lifetimes? Maybe, maybe not. It all depends how 
if people discover it, if people try it, yeah. and, it and basically luck. Right. So, so are you going to be one of the people that tries to help find other planets and other life forms and other planets? I might try to be. You never know for sure if there really is anything in the search. It's just, it's an endless quest without knowing what your quest is. It's, That's so you true. You don't know if it's... So what's the, meaning of, what's, the, what's the meaning of our lives here on Earth, then? That's one of the hardest questions there is. There's... I would say what the meaning of your life is, is what you make it. What yeah. you think, what you want your life to be. Nobody can decide what you will do except for you. You have control over yourself. You See, may we'll not be lucky enough and the odds may be against you, but so you, you never definite know that you cannot do this. So, so you think that... We don't have, we, we do have free will then. We can do whatever we want. It's not predestined or anything. It may be predestined, but you can change that destiny. Oh, well that's tricky. But it's good to know. I mean, it, I might be wrong. It might be just scheduled, like some play or something, and you act it not knowing that you're part of it. Ah. But, but all the same, maybe destiny is just telling you. Maybe you have, you just know it, and that's what destiny is. Destiny is a guess, a guess of what you know, what it knows about you, and what it knows you would do. What you. But then again, I might be wrong, and destiny could be totally in control of you, or there could be no such thing. There could be just, it could just be your opinion at the time, and you could change that, and... He is the filmmaker who captured this video, a musician, a podcaster, and most importantly, an educator of great wisdom. Joining me in the RV is Zia Hassan. Hey Zia, how are you? I'm good. Nice to be with you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. The moment I saw this video, I knew I had to contact you because I wanted to get the backstory. Like, what was it like in that moment capturing this incredible conversation? In that moment, I was not expecting... I mean, I, my my fiance at the time, she's now my wife, said, um, this guy's really into science. You should talk to him about science. So I said, okay. Um, and I threw this kind of like... <laughs> this question at him that I thought would confuse him about dark matter. I said, well, what do you think about dark matter? Just to, you know, mess with him. <laughs> I guess I was kind of being a jerk. And then he um, gave me back this incredible response. And I was like, if I don't film this, if I don't remember every single word of this, um, I, I'm, I'm, and then in, in my head, of course, I was like, I'm going to come back with my camera and he will have totally, he, he will have forgotten exactly what he said. Cause kids do that sometimes they'll say something and then they'll be like, what, what did I say again? So I, but I came back and he started right back from the beginning <laughs> and uh, you can even see me you can hear me saying that in the unedited clip but start from the beginning because I just said just just reverse everything just say exactly what you just said and then he kept going and then we had this you know this crazy conversation so I was kind of bewildered you know I was kind of like who is this person and how did they how do they exist and and are, are more kids like this you know I kept having these 
different thoughts at the time. So you can kind of hear in my voice on the interview that I'm kind of like I'm 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 flustered and I'm I'm all over the place because I've never, you know, I just it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean it's pretty rare to have those kinds of conversations with adults, uh, let alone a nine-year-old kid. I think when I was nine, I may have been on the ground playing with cars or no, when I was nine I was playing piano and stuff, so I was stretching my mind a bit. As I was listening, I was going, man, I can't necessarily argue against what he's saying. All my barriers are down and I'm taking in what he's saying because it sounds truthful to me. It it means more to me than a lot of other things I've heard throughout my life. And so it's interesting how those moments come together like that. I mean, it's it's like looking at every single experience as a doorway. Something's going to happen when you walk through it. I had a very interesting experience when I was about, um, see, I was like 23, 24, and I just started working for IBM. Um, and well, no, I'd been working for them for quite some time, maybe like four years or so. And I, uh, got accidentally laid off. Um, they just called me out of nowhere and said, um, you know, you're being laid off. It's not related to your performance. It's just, um, we have to make some cuts and you've been selected. And I was like, okay, um, this is really weird. And it kind of made me take, you know, corporations that was the moment where i think i really stopped taking corporations seriously because i was like well if this can happen like if people really don't like if this is how a major corporation a name that everyone knows can act uh then you know really what do we who can we trust (laughs) you know (laughs) and so i'm like well we can trust people we can trust each Mm -hmm. other you know and so i went to um the doctor because i wanted to use my insurance and i wanted to get you know a checkup i hadn't been to the doctor in like five years and um a month later the company, like two days before my like termination date, the company called me back and told me that um, I had actually, it was a big mistake and they, they reversed the whole thing and it was like nothing ever happened. Um, Interesting. And at that moment, I got a phone call from the doctor's office and they told me, I, people think I'm joking when I say this, but literally as I'm on the phone with this you know, VP at IBM, I get this, my cell phone buzzing in my pocket and it's the doctor and he's saying, your blood tests are, are kind of crazy. You need to come back in. So I came back in and they diagnosed me with diabetes. Oh, wow. And so, uh, and, and very, very high cholesterol. Mm. And uh, so it was this really weird moment. I was like, okay, so was I supposed to go to the doctor? Like, is this whole thing with the layoff, that that triggered me going to the doctor because I wanted to use my insurance and make sure that I, w- I was healthy. Um, and I ended up in the, in the, you know, in the doctor and getting diagnosed with something. I was like, so maybe it was like some chain reaction thing where I was supposed to go and I was supposed to be there and get that diagnosis. And I'm like, I'm glad that that worked out that way. It's really interesting. And so I started getting really fascinated by the universe. And so I started thinking, well, you know, how big is the universe? I know it's big. Like, I know it's gigantic. I know we're a tiny speck of dust, but how tiny? And I started watching documentaries and I started like looking into string theory and M theory um, over the, the course of this weekend after I had been diagnosed. Anyway, it turns out the next week uh, I, I discovered um, through the use of a glucometer they had given me that I did not have diabetes, um, that it was a, a false diagnosis. Wow. So in one month I had been laid off. I had got my job back. I had been diagnosed with a pretty serious condition and then had been undiagnosed with that condition. Um, so I got to experience this kind of rise and fall of two events without experiencing any of the consequences and, and get to actually feel what that would be like to be told that you have that disease or to be told that you're going to lose your income. And then, um, you know, and not expand and not experience any of the consequences and just be, you know, totally ride it out. Um, but since then I sort of unstuck from the wall of reality a little bit because that whole situation was very surreal. And I remember telling this story at a, um, 
like one of those you know storyteller gathering things. Um, it was that the theme was like you know um, strange tricks that the universe plays on you, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a great story that they're gonna love this. And I remember that the guy, there was another guy there who the story who was told before me. Um, was about this guy's house burning down. <laughs> and it was a very sad story. He lost, like, everything. And then I go into my story where I'm like, well, nothing really happened to me. Um, I, I, I ended up totally healthy and um, still have a job. But it's crazy, isn't it? Like, that all this stuff happened to me. So, I don't know. Since then, I've sort of been very interested in how, like, is, it, is there some sort of weird trick to the universe? Is it a trick of light? You know, and so meeting that kid, you know, was sort of like in the midst of this new kind of discovery <laughs> and this new kind of like way of looking at life for me. Um, so, you know, and, and the fact that we met in general and the fact that we were able to create this thing that, you know, we were able to transmit out to the world, um, you know, it was, it was a little suspicious, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's incredible. That's the beauty I think of being able to capture a moment. I mean, you put that out like a, f a couple years ago and then I happened to just be scrolling around watching videos on YouTube and I came across it and it really stopped me in my tracks, which is really cool. I mean, that's, that to me is, I think just how the universe gifts us. I don't know when you, when you can see it, it's really special. Did you guys anticipate you know, this video going viral and all of a sudden, you now you've got, what, 3 million views? I mean, how did this happen? It's, it's interesting because that video, you know, you said it's been out for a couple of years and, and that's true. Um, it's, it's interesting because it sat around for about a year uh, with 200 views. <laughs> and I remember everybody I showed it to, because I, you know, obviously I didn't put it online immediately. I hadn't spoken to his parents yet or anything like that. And then when I did put it on, well, eventually when I spoke to his father and he said, yeah, that's fine, you can put it online. Um, it sat around for about a year with 200 views and everybody who watched it was like, why is this not gone viral? And in my head, I was like, okay, so maybe there's, you know, a viral video is not that common of a thing. And even if you think something is really cool and all your friends think it's really cool, doesn't mean that the world's going to think it's cool. But, you know, and, and I remember thinking that and I remember like after a couple months being like, okay, this is not, I like put it on Reddit. I didn't even try yeah. to promote, I just put it on Reddit and, and mm -hmm. some other sites. So I was like, okay, that's it. And then, you know, of course, a year later, boom, um, I wrote a, a blog post about leaving IBM to become a teacher. And in this blog post, I it was supposed to be like an informative thing for my friends and family just to say, here's my next step, here's what I'm doing now. Um, but I, I, I guess the, the post ended up being rather passionate and about three or 4,000 people read it that day, which is way more than, than ever who, who ever read my Tumblr. Um, and it got people were telling me they saw it on their friend's wall who you know or their friend's newsfeed and they didn't even you know weren't related to me in any way i thought that was really cool so i was like oh cool so my, my blog post went viral well i yeah. had no idea about viral <laughs> uh oh something's happening but in that in that post there was just one link that said you know um i was talking about why i wanted to be a teacher and how i met this very fascinating child you know a, 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 whenever it was a year before that and uh and then, you know, I, I guess somebody must have posted it to Reddit at the right time where they were like a user who was influential or something like that. Um, and it just, you know, the, the rest is history, as they say. Exactly. That shows you the power of social media. Man, I always think about how crazy it is. It's like when we grow up, we leave Neverland and almost inherit these ideologies about life and, and how it's supposed to be. But ultimately, it's like, you know, you see all these students in a room and they're going to grow up and be completely different people. It's, it's almost like we are deeply connected to something more true when we're younger. Well, I think that's the that's the bridge between childhood and adulthood, and and that's what I realized, not just through this experience with the with this kid, but through being a teacher, is that, 
we, I, all kids have this incredibly, like we don't remember now being adults, we don't have that, that frame of reference anymore. Um, but when you're a kid, I, I feel like you have that incredible, incredible connection to the universe at that point. And, um, you know, as you get older and older, you start to deconstruct it more and more as you start to get more jaded and you start to like get more routinized. And at some point you forget about that child that, you know, people say childlike wonder. Yeah. Constantly dreaming. I think you, I think it's not just that like, you know, you lose the spark. It's just you, your, your life is now 28, 29, how many, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, and in each of the, when you're, when you're one, a year is a hundred percent of your life. That's all you know. It's so long and two years. Oh my God. Now you're, you know, one year has been 50% of your life and so on and so forth. And that fraction, that year just gets smaller and smaller, which is why we feel like life gets, you know, quicker and quicker as we get older, because one year, it goes by so quickly now because it's such a small fraction of our lives. It's becoming a smaller and smaller piece every year. I heard, I read somewhere that, you know, you're, the middle of your life actually feels more like your late 20s than it does, you know, 40s or 50s, um, which is kind of fascinating. But yeah, but that's the that's the bridge between childhood and adulthood is um, is forgetting all that stuff. And, and uh, in some ways, it makes you more sane. I think the people that don't forget that stuff, that have a childlike wonder, are uh, a bit more eccentric, um, generally, Bit more artistic, a bit more creative output, um, maybe a bit more weird and, and misunderstood by by society. Um, but that just goes to show you. I mean, that's that's how kids are. I mean, if if kids weren't the age they were and, and developmentally what they were, they would be all be misunderstood by society. They would all be considered very strange people. <laughs> Did you ever see the Up series documentary? It's where they followed these kids around over like 49 years, asking them the same set of questions and ideas that they get locked in after age seven. But did you ever think of going back and kind of interviewing him and just seeing how he perceived the world later on? Yeah, I, I did. Someone someone had told me about this documentary um, after the video had come out because they were like, you should you should do another interview with him, like you know, in two years, and and you should then you know he's then like check out this other one because it's very similar where they do like every seven years they do this interview and they follow these people. Um, but I don't know. I, I I don't I don't think necessarily that we're not. I know I know you're not saying we're locked in, but I think that um, there's this. I, I've heard that before too. That like, what happens like in your especially in early childhood, like up till about age eight or nine, um, like what happens is really influential, and that is absolutely true. It's very influential, and that's why early childhood is so important. Like that's why the teachers that do pre-K and do um, you know first second grade, like they're they're so so. Um, it's a big task um, because you know they're a major part of these kids' lives um, and their development and what they what they feed them, you know, in terms of intellect every day. Um, but I don't know. I, I also like feel like as we get older, there are there's so many changes that happen within ourselves that we don't notice because our parents notice the changes when we're kids. We fail to notice it because you know there's no one to like really look after us that way when we're adult, I mean, for most people, there's really no one to look after us that way, except for ourselves. And so personal reflection is, is a big part of what I do. And it's a big part of what inspires me. Um, I, I have, I have this service that I use called trail mix. I don't know if you know it, you know, you ever heard of Olay for trail mix? No. What is um, that? You'd, you'd probably like it. It's, it's, um, so the idea is this every day it's for people who don't like journaling, um, or not don't like journaling, but that find journaling tedious maybe. Um, and every day they get 
an email, I get an email that says, how was your day? And you respond to that email. And whatever you say, it can be two lines, it can be three paragraphs, it can be a novel, goes into a database that you can search through later. Um, so it's just very simple. It's an email that comes to your inbox, so you respond to it, just like it was any other email. So you don't have to log in anywhere, you don't have to do any special thing, it's just an email. Um, but the best thing about it is that at the end of every email, it says, hey, remember a year ago or a month ago, or however, you know, usually it's about a year if you've been using it for years, I've been using it for years, um, but remember a year ago when you wrote this, and they'll show you a clip of what you wrote a year ago. And that that really, when I look at that, I, I, I think to myself, God, that I don't recognize that voice anymore. Like, if you had yeah. asked me, have I changed a lot in the last five years? I'd be like, eh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> but looking back at these, like, the thoughts I was having, the things that bothered me, I mean, holy shit, the things that bothered me, I was bothered by so many things that, that, that today I would not really give a second thought to. And of course, yeah. now these days, I'm bothered by, by what I consider to be larger issues. And of course, in five years, when I get an email that says, hey, remember five years ago when you wrote this? I'll be like, oh my God, I was so stupid. Like, <laughs> I was so shallow. How did I even, why, do, why was I even worrying about that particular thing? Yeah, it's something that we all basically go through, which is kind of crazy. I mean, we all grow up kind of going through the same experiences in our own various ways. I can't even imagine what parents feel watching their kids grow up to become adults. Once you become a parent, uh, you know, you you have something, for most people, you have a, a possession now that is more valuable than anything you've ever experienced. And, and I, I don't have a child, so I don't know what that's like. Um, but I do feel a little bit that way about my students, and um, and I, I know like like a lot of teachers view their students as the work, and and I do too. That I have to to to, to stay sane, but yeah. it's hard not to really feel like you know you have ownership over what you know the type of the type of intellect that you're feeding them, like you were saying. Like yeah, I was, like, yeah, I, totally. I was, I was um, but. I feel like that's where midlife crises come from, where once your child goes to college and suddenly you're left here, you're like, okay, they're an adult, they're on their own now. What the hell do I do? <laughs> you know, yeah, who yeah. was I? Who was I before these 18 years? You know, so you buy a fancy sports car and you're like, I'm going to enjoy life. My mom once said, I think when she was 20, she was like very sad. And she sadly said, like, I think my, my job as a mom is done. I think that's that's over. And I said, I don't think it could ever be done. Like, I don't think even when you're gone, you know, that it'll be done. Because I think we're influenced by people who are long gone. I mean, if you think, if I think about who influenced my music, just my, just my music, um, I think of Miles Davis. I think of, of people. And, and I never, I don't think I was alive when, when Miles Davis was alive. I can't remember. No, I was. But regardless he's been dead for most of my life and to be inspired by someone who's dead like that's crazy when you think about it it makes sense but it's crazy to be inspired by like martin luther king i know that's yeah. or john lennon that's insane you know that's that that long lasting influence is so so important and it's crazy to think that that's you know that where it works like that I think that's the beauty of podcasting is you can kind of put an idea out there and you can get together with so many different people with so many different ideas and you can share your information and it's uninhibited and, you know, there's no one that can say, no, you can't talk about this or you can't talk about that. Well, at least so far, we don't have anybody doing that, but it's just kind of a platform that gives people the opportunity to really express themselves and express the things that they really care about and uh, this is a pretty awesome conversation to have in a time where media is really just pushing a bunch of crazy shit in your face but um, I mean inspiration goes a long way people like Steve Jobs created Apple and uh, I mean how many of us use that as a major tool while we create our different 
forms of art, you know, filmmakers, musicians. It's ridiculous. It's endless. So it goes a long way. A year ago, I put out a book. It's called Closer to the Surface. And I never, like, I, I read this, I read a lot of, like, self-help productivity type books. Um, one of my favorite authors is this guy, Seth Godin, who, you mm-hmm. know, being a podcaster, you probably know of him. He was saying, you have to pick yourself, you know? And, and I was thinking to myself, okay, what have I never been before? I've never been a good artist. I've never been good at painting. I've never been good at, like, drawing. So who's to say, though, that I'm not an artist, you know? So I got an iPad, and I thought about art like I would music. So I downloaded an app that let me kind of mess with the stuff that I was drawing, like kind of blur it a little bit and just kind of do crazy things with it. And um, and people have, you know, looked at these paintings and been like, oh man, you're a good artist. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not. Like when you, when you really look at these paintings, you know, you, you, you when you really like know what my background is, you realize these are sort of like fake and sort of false. But are they? You know, then that's the other question is, are they? They came from me. They, they, they were done with very much with feeling. Absolutely. So, you know, so anyway, my point is this, uh, you know, I, I, I think maybe 10 or 11 people bought that book and my friends, a lot of my friends didn't really understand it. And I found myself saying to someone, cause they were like, well, do you think this is actually going to take off? And I was like, I actually don't care if it doesn't take off. What I care about is in 20, uh, not 20, let's say in a in hundred, 150 years, um, if a grandchild or a great grandchild is, is in the attic somewhere and they discover this this weird book that's like falling apart and they see my name and they kind of know that I'm a a distant relative or I'm a a father of a father of a father and they open it up and something in that book inspires them to do something and to make something new, then I will be extremely happy, (laughs) Uh, you know, I mean, I, or, you know, my spirit or whatever will be extremely happy because, um, you know, that, that's, that's the only reason that's, that's my biggest motivation in doing things. I don't care about money. If I did, I wouldn't be a teacher. Um, I don't care about money. I don't care about any of that stuff. All I care about is people who connect with it because that makes me connect with them, you know, which is why I'm doing this podcast, which is why I do podcasts with other people. And, and, you know, cause I, I, I've been on your side, you know, I've reached out to people and been like, I, I've watched your, your YouTube videos of you teaching for the last, you know, year and they have totally inspired me. And I, I have to, you know, we have to have this conversation. We have to publicize it. We have to publish it somewhere so that people can hear it, you know, and so we can get to the bottom of, of who you are, you know? Yeah. One of my uh, genie in a bottle wishes would be to uh, be able to go back in time and observe myself, I guess, growing up through all my different grades. I think that would be absolutely insane. But it is crazy how we kind of all grow up and it, it's interesting, like as a teacher, how do you engage all of the different minds of all these kids who are just, you know, ready to learn something from you? Yeah, that is, that is the biggest challenge of teaching is figuring out how to make it engaging and how to teach um, to different learning styles. I think a lot of kids learn through art, art, art and through creation, um, but of course, you know, are very... Um, fearful society and our fearful culture that our economy is going to slip if we don't make sure that our kids are like robotically programmed to like analyze text perfectly. Um, you know, that, that there's this big kind of clash and, you know, I, there is a gigantic amount of influence, um, in my job every day from the, from the district, you know, it happens to be the district of Columbia, but I just mean my school district, Mm -hmm. you know, that, um, what they want kids to do. And so I don't, I have some freedom in how I teach it. Um, but I don't have the freedom. Like I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm sure you've read about the common core and I'm actually a big fan of the common core. I think it's, um, it's all good stuff that kids should know for the most part. Um, 
But I do think that, uh, you know, there are certain schools, certain districts that really lock their kids into this like mode of like, we have to be the best and the best to them is like the highest test scores. Um, so you have to sneak it in. And, and part of what I've, the, my training program, the, the inspired, it's called the, uh, the inspired teaching certification program. Mm -hmm. Um, part of what they really have instilled in the, in the people that they train is this like idea of like, no one is ever going to say to you, go do something really fun with the kids in order to make them learn. They're going to hand you a curriculum because they don't trust you to be able to actually inspire kids that way. Um, yeah. and, and many teachers can't, so they're handed a curriculum. And many teachers are very good at delivering that material. I mean, that's not just giving, you know, saying that you teach a curriculum. It doesn't mean that you're, you're not talented. I mean, that, that takes a lot of work and a lot of good talent to actually make it happen um, and a lot of good organizational skills. But to go beyond that, and to uh, to think like, what are kids going to be creating, you know? And what when are they going to feel that sense of accomplishment? Because creating is extremely addicting. It is it is to me one of the most addicting feelings in the whole world to to publish something in in the world. And that's why I'm actually creating a podcast with my students now. Nice, that's um, great. I realized. So this is an example of one of those things. We have to have these literacy rotations, right? Um, you know, and there's independent reading, there's independent writing, and there's a fluency station. And for, for the past, you know, four months, my fluency station, it's supposed to be kids learning how to read out loud and how to read with expression and that sort of thing. But for the past four months, it's just been, you know, they'll take a book, they'll pretend to kind of be reading out loud to themselves or to a partner, and then they'll just end up reading silently. Um, so I said at the beginning of this semester, at the beginning of the year, I said, we are now changing, we're no, we're no longer gonna have a fluency center. And all the kids cheered. And I said, we're now going to have a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we're going to have a podcasting, uh, center. Nice. And of course they, uh, you know, I was expecting this, like another big cheer, but they all looked at me and they're like, what, what's a podcast? <laughs> and I was like, okay, wait, <laughs> let me back up a little bit. So I explained, you know, have you ever, have you ever heard a radio show? And they were, some of them had, and I said, you can make a radio show about anything you want. So I think now I'm going to actually make a demo for them so they can really understand what it feels like and how, how, how much fun it is and how cool it is. Um, but they're getting really excited. I gave them an iPad and I, I let them hit record. Um, and for the first time in four months, I every single day this week, kids have been picking up books because I tell them, you know, I wrote them a letter. I said, if you're going to podcast, find a piece of text that you love to read out loud, hit record on the iPad and read it into the iPad. And I and I it's amazing. I've watched them over the past few days sit in front of this iPad and read out loud the thing that I've been trying to get them to do for four months and all it took was this idea of like you could create something historical you know you could create the best podcast made by kids in the world if you wanted to all, that's all it took to unleash that like that inspiration and this and then interestingly enough some kids were like well I, I don't really feel comfortable talking into a, a microphone I, I feel like my voice sounds kind of stupid um, can I write the stuff that other people will say and I said of course that's phenomenal that you want to do that that's great you know and and it was just like this this moment of like why didn't I think of this sooner you know this is how I live my life but I did, I wasn't teaching that way and so it's it's really changed things in the classroom if I go to the grocery store I don't want to talk to somebody about some you know something that's either been put in front of people to inflict fear so they talk about it or something that's um, just nonsense really you know and then it makes me question sometimes like well I don't want to judge what could be nonsense to me when maybe it is important to somebody to talk about you know because I do like I do a, a movie podcast and there's times where I sit there and I go, this is pointless. Like, no one really cares about this. Because the things that I care about are, like, they're deeper to me. You know, they're, they're outside of 
just creating conversation in our in the American culture. Watching Contact probably had a prof- I don't know if you've seen it, but oh, yes. it's one of my favorite movies, and it ha- has a has a very profound impact impact on people and how they look at time, space, and all that stuff. Um, just you know that the, the magic of that whole thing up until the very end when she sees her father and there's this real human connection which makes you you know I, I used to think it was kind of silly that she sees her father as this, you know this kind of alien figure that's that looks like her father but um I'm sorry for anyone that, that doesn't like spoilers I guess but, um, <laughs> but, but that but no but that movie is great because you literally it it's all this build and build and build up till that final moment of just this unbelievable resolve and it, it made you realize that like if if there is like life out there or if there's just something we don't understand that's out there um there is a possibility we we will be able to connect to it in a very profound and powerful way um and and just that feeling alone kind of makes you feel like wow there is something that is beyond us absolutely i mean i feel like there's we each get our own little experience and we get to figure out where all these little gifts are along the, on your path. I mean, it's like, as you go through your, through your life, there's gonna be these pivotal moments that lead you to the next step. And then, you know, so, you know, you could argue everything's always in its right place. You know, it's, it is, you know, is it not? I don't know. I mean, should it have been this way or that way? Or as we each grow up, we have to like fight and claw our way to find truth. And it's interesting how we have to do that in the midst of, you know, learning from others that are around us who, you know, have their own ideologies, whether they're religious or, you know, just some fundamental thing that causes you to have to go, wait, wait, is this real? I hate being put in a box. Like I hate being labeled. I hate labeling myself um, because I feel like it it cuts you off um, from, like you're saying, from truth. I mean, I feel like calling yourself a, a subscribing to a particular religion or even a particular like political party for me it kind of bothers me like I don't, I don't mind if other people do it i just can't i have a hard time aligning myself with like here are a set of beliefs and if you call yourself a democrat or republican or whatever that you know these are now going to be the things you you subscribe to like well why not just have beliefs <laughs> you know why not yeah. just have things you believe in and why not allow those beliefs to be malleable over time exactly and, and with experience you know there's so many things that i thought i believed in one point and it's interesting you brought up religion because I was raised in a, like my parents aren't super religious, but I was raised in a Muslim type household and we celebrated Muslim holidays. We also celebrated Christmas, but that was because, you know, we lived in America. So it was, that's the, the American thing, I guess. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, getting older and I was really into it at one point, I lived in Egypt for a while and when I was a kid and I was friends with all of these like oil family um, kids and they were all like, you know, Baptist Christian and they were really into their like church community. And I would actually go with them to church and I would be very into like the type of, cause it was a very positive message at the church, you know, they yeah. were confused why I was there, of course. And they thought I was Christian until they, until they found out I wasn't Christian and they didn't really care about talking to me anymore. But regardless, um, you know, after that, I was kind of like, oh, I'm really into, you know, I came back and I was like 14 at the time. And I was like, I'm very into this idea of like religion and being a Muslim, being proud of being a Muslim. And then being back in America, for some reason, that completely disintegrated. And by, you know, I think age like 22, 23, I was like, I'm an atheist. I'm definitely an atheist. And I was like, this is the enlightened view. Now I'm an atheist. I don't believe that there's some like, you know, heavenly, like, you know, white robed figure. Um, I, be- you know, I don't, I, I don't believe that. And so for a while I went around saying, oh, I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist. And then I heard um, a speech, I want to say it was Neil deGrasse Tyson. No, I don't know it was Neil deGrasse Tyson. It was maybe, oh, it was a guy who does an atheist blog, I think, giving a speech or, or doing a debate. And someone said, like, well, what about, you know, when you die? Like, aren't you afraid that when you die, like, that's if that's the end, isn't that depressing to you? And he said, no, I mean, I think 
when I die, I mean, that's the end. That's literally the end. Nothing happens after that. I'm just going to go into it to an internal sleep essentially. And I remember thinking to myself, well, that's a view. Like that's, that's an opinion. That's a, uh, you know, a guess in a way. Like, what? How? How do you know that? You know. So, can I really call yeah. myself an atheist if I don't necessarily believe that either? That there's nothing when you die. Uh, how do I know? You know, that, that that's a gigantic mystery to everybody. So, for someone to come and say like there is literally no afterlife, is crazy. Now, is it most likely the afterlife that like holy books and and religions have predicted? You know, I doubt it. But there are so many infinite possibilities yeah. as to what it could be that, you know, to, for me to say it's this particular one or it's none of these is, is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense to me that if we're going to create a society or create a world, you want to create it on probably the most positive note possible. So that would be, you know, you'd have to examine the way you're doing business and examine what kind of fuels you're using, examine what kind of pollutants you're putting in the air. And you kind of have to look and restructure everything according to, well, humanity. You have to start looking at everybody as a whole instead of, you know, just the bottom line, you know, the money aspect, because the money is a tool, you know, you want to, the goal is to be building the best, most respectable uh, companies with actual integrity. I mean, doesn't that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's the interesting thing about, about, you know, corporations and a lot of religious institutions and a lot of artists, honestly, like it, 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 this, this idea of money controlling does not escape any person, even like spiritual gurus and stuff like that. Like I had a, um, well, I won't say which one, but I had a, uh, a brief back and forth with a, a, a very famous spiritual guru after this video came out. Um, this person emailed me and we went back and forth. Um, and you know, this person invited us to their house and like, it was just this very cool thing. And then at the last moment just fell off the face of the internet and just stopped responding. And like, I didn't care that much. It wasn't like the biggest deal in the world to meet this person to me. Um, but at the same time, it was just kind of like, who, who are you really? You know, are you some tycoon that just like poses as a, as some sort of spiritual? So anyway, like, I don't think anybody is immune to that is what I mean. Mm -hmm. But I think you make an active decision to say like, what's more important to me? You know, like clearly like, you know, you don't want to be completely broke and you, most people don't want to be, you know, like, you know, living on a street or whatever like that. But like, yeah, at the same time, like how much do you really need, you know, to really be happy? And I read some article that said like $70,000 is like the salary where you've reached the, the level of happiness. And I kind of laughed at that because I was like 70,000, like well, who, who are these people and where do they get that number yeah. from? <laughs> um, but then I, but then I, I kind of got what they were, what they meant by that, which is that, you know, once you have enough to sort of be like, okay. Okay, I can I can kind of do things that I need to do in my life. Then you sort of can open up that other part of your brain. But then you think about people who make so much less, who are also extremely happy. You know? Yeah. And uh, and then you kind of think like you know that that's that's so controlling. And and addictions are so real. And and money is it's got to be one of the biggest addictions. Mm -hmm. You know there is for people who can like take very gigantic steps up a corporate ladder very quickly or, you know, they're in a, a financial banking job or something like that. That's got to be a very addicting feeling. Like watching, um, I don't know if you ever saw Wolf of Wall Street, that movie that came yes. out with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And I like, the movie was a fun ride, but to me, the message was just like, well, you can pretty much do anything if you have a lot of money and eventually have a movie made about you and you can be a celebrity <laughs> and you'll go to jail maybe for like a couple of years, but you'll be treated fine. Um, and so like watching that movie, I was kind of like, you know, there's that that guy was a pure addict 
and, uh, to everything, to drugs, to, to money, to sex, to everything. And so, yeah, you can't, I mean, no one's immune to it. You know, it's interesting. Well, Zia, thanks so much for giving us your time. You are incredibly, incredibly inspiring, and we're definitely going to have you back on Earthship Radio. And perhaps, you know, in you know, 20, 30 years, someone will find it and will get inspired and become whatever it is that they want it to become. The Earth is just one planet in the galaxy. Are we the only intelligent life? No. I think there probably are many different kinds of life forms, cells and organisms. Some may not be visible, some may not have been discovered, and some may be on places we can't go. And they all might have the same perspective as we do on this, that there might be others, and that maybe they can find them someday, but at the moment, they don't know. They're in, they're part of a big world. Twitter at Earthship Radio or online at enterthealth3.com or else I will find you. you, you, you.